Hey folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this is the show where we build an entire campaign from scratch that you can run for your group starting tonight, if you're so inclined. And as you know very well by now, Season 2 is all about the Fallout role-playing game, so if you don't yet have your copy, head over to your local book or game shop, or check out the Modifius Entertainment website, M-O-D-I-P-H-I-U-S dot net. Before we get the build rolling this week, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that this week marks the first anniversary of our show, and I thank all of you for making us a part of your listening routine. There's more to say, but I'll say it after we finish today's build. But of course, before we can build new stuff, we need to recap last week's stuff. Last week's build began with them decoding and checking out the information they stole from Barnabas O'Reilly. What they found was that while the dome facility was coming up with formulas to introduce additives into the food chain in order to make folks more compliant, they have no idea where it's being manufactured. They do know it's not Union Station, so that leads a dead end. Victor informed the group that their actions in obtaining the information have led to O'Reilly placing a 250 cap bounty on each of their heads, and the group had three options of what to do. Kill O'Reilly, take a job from Victor while he worked to get the bounty removed, or meet with Melanie Zombrowski at Lemp Brewery to see if she can help them with O'Reilly. Look, even if they killed him, they still needed to get away for a bit while the bounty was removed, so they most likely took the job from Victor anyway, and in that instance used it to pay back the favor they already owed him. The favor was to head to Lime, which is south of downtown, and deal with the raiders stealing from the bird's eye view. They got there, got the lay of the land, and took out the raiders stealing from the store. They returned to downtown, reported their success, and that's where we wrapped the build. As we start the build this week, the group finds itself in a situation it hasn't been in in a bit. They've got no job lined up. They don't have any information about Jackson Denman or Jessup Chemicals. And while they do know that Garson Tactical is gunning for them, they're not sure who they'd need to get to in order to make that go away. So... They need something new to do. Sort of goes without saying, they've probably got feelers out checking for the location of another Jessup Chemicals facility, for Jackson Denman or his sister, and for someone they can talk to at Garson Tactical. For the moment, however, they are coming up empty. So, it's time for them to hit up a job board. Fortunately for them, there just happens to be one in the center of the shopping district of Diamond Pass. We'll assume they're here since this is where they're most likely been spending a lot of their time. There are four jobs on the board. Need to have a package delivered. See Kelvin at the Endzone Tavern at the Dome. If you're good at extermination, I've got caps for you. Gives an address about 11 blocks from Diamond Pass. We'll pay well for a case of Nuka-Cola Quantum. If you've got one, see Sylvia at the Twisted Top in the Central West End. Supplies needed. See Martin at the Lime Ferry Station for more details. So, lots of options and lots of variety. Since my group grabbed all three of the available jobs last time, I'm pretty sure they're going to do that again this time. Doesn't change anything about the order we're going to build them in, but we can be confident that they'll take all of them to work on pretty much at the same time. That being said, we're going to build them out in order, so let's head to the End Zone Tavern. There's one quick point that needs to be mentioned here. If the group got into a fight with security during their last visit here, they're going to have one heck of a hard time getting into the dome. That being said, 
There is an old saying that money can buy you anything, so if they're willing to pay one of the two human guards at the doors 100 caps, their issues will seem to magically disappear and they'll be allowed to enter. If the group made it through the last dome adventure without those types of issues, they're good to go, so that last paragraph will have been unnecessary. The end zone tavern is located approximately in the center of what was the eastern end zone of the field. Surrounded by three and four story buildings, the end zone, much like Victor's place in Diamond Pass, stands out for coming in in only two. It too is a product of its environment. It's loud, rowdy, and uncouth. The decor is both human and super mutant chic, and both are found drinking in here. The waitstaff are Mr. Handy Droids, but the bouncers are all super mutants. In fact, one stops the group as they enter. There's no need to really describe him as the book has better drawings than anything I could come up with anyway. We just need to note that he's wearing only pants and boots, no shirt, and it looks like he lifts houses on his downtime because his muscles seem to have their own muscles. The only thing he wants to know is why the group is here, and when they respond about the job board, he'll nod towards the bar. Kelvin owns bar. Kelvin tends bar. Go see him. Approaching that bar, which runs the entire length of one wall, one would expect to see multiple bartenders. I mean, how else would you be able to manage a couple dozen folks sitting at the bar and all of those drinking out on the floor? That answer is simple. That one bartender is a Mr. Handy with extra appendages wired in. That means he can make multiple drinks at one time. It also appears he has a program in his system that speeds him up to handle a large volume of drinks at a time, since when they first approach the bar, he seems to be moving like a whirling dervish, but once they're there for a moment, he slows down and glides over to them. Other than the appendages, there's nothing spectacular about his appearance. His voice, though, it's a combination of Benedict Cumberbatch and James Earl Jones. Yeah, get that earworm out of your head now. He doesn't see much for small talk as he gets right to the point. If you're not drinking, please exit the bar area so that they may serve paying customers. When the group tells him why they're there, he again gets to the point. Very well. I have a bottle of rare whiskey that I acquired for an old friend of mine. He offered me 400 caps for it, so if you deliver it to him, you can keep the caps. Now, if something sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. The location he needs the bottle delivered to is located on the north side of the city, which is in the middle of a turf war between four different raider gangs. The name of the gangs aren't that important right now, just the fact that there are four of them and they're in almost constant battle for position. Kelvin's not budging on his offer. It's take it or leave it, so if your group decides to leave it, so be it. If I'm being honest, I don't know for sure whether my group will take it or not, but let's build it out like one of the groups did, shall we? The address they're provided is the corner of North 13th Street and Palm Street. For those Google mapping at home, that is in North St. Louis, and one of the places at that particular intersection in our time is Strudman Park. In our game time, however, it's been covered with ramshackle houses cobbled together out of whatever they could find, and there are, as you'd expect, a few businessman types sprinkled in. Their recipient is going to be one of those, Briar Neville. The group is told to ask about robot repair. Apparently, if you're in that neighborhood and have a robot you want repaired, Briar's your man. And Calvin won't say anything else about Briar, just that he's the intended recipient. Before we go any further, I'm sure the thought might cross your group's mind to keep the booze for themselves and either drink it or sell it. That's up to them, but if they choose to do it, Calvin's got a long memory, as you'd expect from a robot, so they'd do well to avoid the dome for a while if they make that choice. 
which, if we're going to be honest, might make some of our adventures down the line a little bit more interesting. Anyway, it'll take about 20 minutes to get to the spot, though it's going to take longer than that in reality, since the group will run into two of the factions fighting over the area. The first group they'll run into will try to ambush them about five minutes into the walk. I'll lay out the composition of the group in a minute, but the one thing that they have that makes them distinctive are the yellowish bandanas they have displayed on their persons somewhere. The group consists of two more than the total number of the group. Regardless of how many that turns out to be, there's one raider boss, stats on 387, and two raider scavers, stats on 389. The rest are just plain raiders, though stats are on 386. This should be your standard cakewalk for the group thanks to the low levels of the raiders. However, a four-person group might find itself in a pickle, so if that's the case, drop the plain raiders and go with the three biggies. The second group they run into is about 15 minutes into their walk. These dudes have black cloths or bandanas on them. Their composition is also different, and it's one for each member of the group divided among an equal number of gunners and mercenaries, and the stats for both are on page 392. Now, if you've got an odd number of group members, have that odd number be a gunner. This one will be a challenge, in theory, and that's what we're looking for. After the cakewalk earlier, the group should feel like it's being challenged a bit, especially since we're starting to open up and make better weapons and armor available to them. Neither group will identify themselves, nor will they talk much other than to just talk smack to the characters during the battle, so don't worry about the details. Just use your best combat smack talk and make your point clear. Five minutes of walking after this last run-in gets them to their location. The corner of North 13th and Palm has stuff crammed on all four corners, but since they were told to use the northwest corner, they're headed for the right spot. As they approach, there's another group of armed men standing at a sort of attention. They don't raise their weapons at the group, but it's obvious they're paying attention to anyone who gets close to the neighborhood. One of the group appears to be a leader of some sort, and he'll approach the group. And don't worry about the name unless you're the sort of person who needs to name everyone. If that's the case, name him whatever you feel comfortable with. He'll ask what the group needs, and when they mention they're looking for robot repair, he'll smile and offer to escort them to Briar. For the record, this does work better if they've got a robot in the party. Otherwise, they may have to admit they're delivering a package to him. It's okay if they have to say it. These guard types are just making sure the riffraff stays out. In fact, if they mention their confrontations, the guard will chuckle and tell them they ran into the Yellow Jackets and the Black Death. He'll note there are two more groups out there, the Messiahs and the Liberators, and they're known for their white colors and blood red colors, respectively. Oh, and if they don't say anything to the guard, but do say something to Briar, that's when they'll find that stuff out. Briar's abode is not too far away from the corner, and it's obvious he's trying to blend into the surroundings as there are no signs denoting what he does. The front of his place is as simple and basic as those all around it, and it's about the same size as the rest. And it looks just as shabby, if we're being honest here. When they get there, the guard stands back and allows the group to knock on the door. And there might be someone in the group surprised as to who answers. A five-foot ghoul, wearing cargo pants and a button-down shirt at least two sizes too big. He's got glasses on with Coke bottle lenses. Or, or would those be Nuka bottle lenses? Hmm. He seems a bit surprised to have company, and his high-pitched voice shakes a bit as he speaks. Can I help you? When the group tells him why they're there, he breathes an audible sigh of relief and motions to the guard to go ahead and leave, 
invites the group inside. That being said, though, they probably don't want to stay here for very long. The place looks like a hoarder's paradise with various robot components and computer stuff spread out all over the place. And by the looks of it, he's got so much mismatched stuff, there's no way he could assemble an entire anything from this. But then again, maybe he could. He requests to see the bottle, and when they show it, he produces the tin with the caps in it and waits for them to count them. He'll tell them he won't be offended if they do. And unless they need repairs, that should do it for this job. If they need repairs, he starts at 100 caps for the diagnosis and applies those to the cost of whatever parts are needed. This is one of those very rare cases someone will do things for book value, though this means there will be no negotiations. And if your group insists on it, they can succeed, but the quality of the work will suffer since somebody's ego and feelings have been bruised. What that means is that whatever gets fixed works at 50% of its full power. So if it's a laser, it only does half the damage it usually would, and it'll cause a complication on a 19 or a 20. I think you can work the rest of this out from here. The group will probably want to return back to the area around the dome, since the other three jobs aren't around here, and they're going to probably want to avoid more combat. If they go back exactly the way they came, they won't get any. They decide to head off in another direction, have them hit another group from each of our prior two groups they've met. The numbers will be exactly the same. And I think we'll stop the build here for the week. Sure, I know we've got more time left, but I wanted to take a minute to reflect on the first anniversary of this show. It's been an interesting year as we started with our Deadlands game and have gotten to fall out in that short of amount of time. We've also seen a gradual growth in our listenership, and I have all of you to thank for that. I have no idea, absolutely zero clue what the next year is going to bring in the long run, but I know for sure that we'll keep up the fallout game until we reach its logical conclusion. Then we'll move on to something else. What that is, I don't know yet, but I know we're going to do something. This is also the first anniversary of Bad GM Productions, and it's fitting that both the podcast and the production company share an anniversary since the company came into being because of the podcast. If you want to hear me expound on this a little bit more, this week's role-playing history is devoted entirely to celebrating both this podcast and the company both shows share. And like I say every week, role-playing history is available wherever you get your podcasts or on the website badgmproductions.net. So I do want to apologize for this week's show coming in a bit short. As I was writing this show, I was recovering from a medical procedure I'd just had, and I honestly didn't have the energy to crank out the length of show that I usually would. So again, I do apologize. I am going to make it up to you next week, though, because we're going to cover two of the remaining three tasks on the job board. As always, all Fallout role-playing game materials referenced on this show are the trademarked and copyrighted properties of Modifius Entertainment, through their license with Bethesda Games, and are used on this podcast for entertainment purposes only. If you're interested in checking out all of the fine products produced by Modifius, check out their website, modiphius.net. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming 
forward slash bad GM prod on Twitter at bad GMP YouTube and Tumblr. It's bad GM productions. You can email us bad GM productions at gmail.com and online. That website again is bad GM productions.net. Next week, we build out two new jobs for our group to complete and things should only start getting more interesting from there. But that's next week. Until then, I'm the bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table.